This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be this lovely Sunday morning, at least here in Los Angeles, Sunday afternoon, back east, and uh, hope all is well, I hope everybody is staying safe. So here for the next 30 minutes with your host, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber, here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, here for you, here for your pets, here to answer questions you might, I'm sure you have questions about your pets, because I am seeing my patients every day and they have lots of questions. So I have to just take a really good educated guess that you guys have a lot of questions as well. And that's why we're here. So uh, a couple of ways to get a hold of us. Uh, you can always give us a call toll free 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better yet, we want to see you here live on Zoom. And to do so, you just go into PetLifeRadio.com. You click on shows, scroll to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And there is going to be a Zoom link there waiting for you. Click on it. Join us. Hopefully, you'll have your pets with you in arms on lap next to you, hitting the keys of the of the laptop, whatever, and um, uh, ask whatever questions you may have. I have a telemedicine platform, and we see I, I'm getting tons. Of, in fact, last night, maybe a mistake, maybe not. I, I still enjoy it. If I look tired, that's because I am, because I had five calls starting at two in the morning. I would hang up, try to crawl back in the bed. By the time I finally hit that sleep, oh my God, another call. Then my very second, the fourth and fifth, as I'm hanging up from the fourth call, ready to get back to bed, as I'm walking to go back in the bed. And then the call number five came in. So um, yes, but I, you know what? I enjoy it. I love helping people with their pets, with their issues, helping them to, ser- to determine is this something that's really an emergency? Can it wait? One, interestingly, I did send I did not like the way this cat was breathing. I told her to go. She texted me this morning that the cat has a number of problems, has fluid in the lungs, might even have lymphoma. So, you know, it's like, I'm glad I sent that one in. Uh, Usually I'm pretty good at uh, making those decisions when it's really urgent, when it can wait to see a regular vet in the morning. So uh, anyway, call me, call me. So anyway, as you know, I do like to go through, peruse the news, what's going on in veterinary medicine, things that, that I Hope you will find interesting things that I found interesting. And um, with Halloween coming up around the corner, we have some things to talk about Halloween. So uh, let's get started. First of all, do you realize that last year, Americans, that means you, I didn't, spent over $3 million on costumes for your pets. Now, are we crazy? I think we are. So $3 million on on costumes for your pets. So uh, if you are one of those spenders that contributed to that 3 million, let me at least give you some guidelines. Number one, be very careful with costumes for pets. First of all, remember, these are kids who themselves are in costumes. They don't look like a normal kid. Remember, animals can tell a lot of us through facial recognition. We've already been through this. It's been studied. They, When they don't see, even just you, I'm sure you've seen it, even just wearing masks for COVID. You approach a dog, they look at you differently. They just don't know. They're a little more apprehensive. They're a little bit more cautious. A sweet dog may end up biting. So it's when you think if you if there's more uh, that these kids are wearing, they don't look like normal kids anymore. Even their own kids in their own house. So you want to be very careful. Anything around their neck, anything that could be a choking hazard, you have to be very very cautious. So 
I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying do it. <laughs> Whatever you want is okay. But if you are going to have your pets wearing costumes, then make sure that they are safe, non-restrictive, don't cover their eyes, they don't choke, and they allow them to at least have their senses about them. All right, next up, be careful with other things. Cords, if you have like pumpkins in the house that are lit up, you want to make sure you're doing 12-volt transformer cords or battery-operated. Do not have exposed wires plugging into 120-volt current, household current. That can be very dangerous if you have a dog or cat or even a bunny that likes to chew on cords. Be careful with candles because, as we will discuss over the holidays coming up, especially cats, they are intrigued by a flickering flame. So they might want to tap this little thing over and maybe knock it over and maybe start a house fire. Who knows? Be careful. Candies. Uh, we know that dogs like candies. You know what? They're not very discerning because they also eat wrappers as well. So they're not just eating the candy. They can't unwrap it. They don't have that dexterity. So they're putting the whole thing in their mouth. So that's an issue. Candies, chocolate, chocolate, as we know, candy with raisins. Raisins can be very toxic to dogs. Chocolate has a limit. I mean, there's a, a low dose they can have. They're probably okay. Chocolate's a bit overrated. Uh, white chocolate has no chocolate. Milk chocolate is, a, is not as toxic. But if there's a lot of dark chocolate, semi-sweet or even dark Coke things with pure cocoa, they can be very toxic to our dogs. So we need to be very careful. Sugarless candies, gums, things with xylitol, also very, very potentially toxic. So these are the things we just have to be kind of uh, cautious about. And um, one last thing is, I don't know, depending on where you live, what the status of trick-or-treating is going to be. All I know is that in our area, supposedly they're not going to allow kids door to door. Unfortunately, I bought my big, huge thing at candy from Costco um, beforehand. And hearing, who do you think's been eating the candy? <laughs> I've been eating the candy. <laughs> I thought it was a four pound bag. It's down to like a half a pound. So um, at least I should have enough to bring to work uh, on Friday just to keep everybody else happy if there's anything left. So um, anyway, the trick is to that. Uh, and I've been talking before the show to Mark, our producer. You don't want to buy candy that you like. You buy candy that you don't like. So uh, it does. It's, it's too tempting. I open up a thing and there's a bag of Snickers and peanut M and M's and Milky Way. I mean, I, I, I'm enjoying and mounds. <laughs> I'm not. I can't say no to that. So uh, that's why I don't buy ice cream anymore. Because I, if I open a freezer and there's a pint of Ben and Jerry's or Haagen Dazs, it's gone. So uh, uh, anyway, no self control on this end. So be careful because if you're going to have trick-or-treaters, you open that door, dogs, cats, they may bolt. So make sure they're wearing the collars, wearing their ID. If you know they have that tendency, put them in a different room. These are all things that are very important. So, But if you are going to have Halloween, have a safe one, have fun, don't eat too much candy, do as I say, not as I do. All right. Hats off to San Antonio, Texas. They're considering a proposal to join the many, many other municipalities that have banned the sale of pets, puppies, and kids. Unless, of course, they come from shelters, they come from rescue organizations, then that would be okay. But no puppy mill pups anymore. I am so annoyed. I, there was a quote from a woman when I read the story who says, well, if they're going to do that, then I'm just going to move just outside the city limits. I mean, instead of realizing, you know what, why don't you pick another profession or, or take your pet store and instead of selling these pets and and supporting and promoting puppy mills, why don't you start going to the shelters, adopting animals out, cleaning them up, making sure they're spayed, neutered, getting them vaccinated, make them look really nice and pretty, and then sell those. 
and uh, you won't make as much per pet, but you know what? You'll probably sell more and uh, you'll be doing the right thing. Anyway, a story that yeah, there's a, a disease that we really have. It's really a tropical and subtropical parasite called Leishmania. And Leishmaniasis is a disease that we see more in. Um, it's sort of underreported too, but it's in uh, the tropics and subtropics. Anyway, dogs that have been being transported from those areas to the United States and Canada, now we are seeing Leishmaniasis. So it's tr typically transmitted from sand fleas. And uh, again, we don't really have it locally. Well, we're now getting it locally. It was never been uh, endemic to the States and to Canada. And we think that the transmission now that it's in dogs can be transmitted dog to dog via ticks. So as you know, ticks are vectors for a lot of diseases. And um, so it's just understand, know it, that uh, it is it is and can happen. So uh, it just it's kind of like an FYI. This is cute. That's how I like story. No, you know, when you like you go by a um, like a car dealership or a toddler dealership and they got that big guy, you know, that rubber blown up doll that's flapping its hands and stuff. Right. So they found that dingoes that usually attack animals and are really pests for ranchers. They don't like that guy. So now they're starting to uh, put these up in ranches. And the ranch is that big, it's like a scarecrow in a sense, and it's scaring away the dingoes. So it's better for the dingoes because they're living. They're not getting killed by the ranchers who are killing them because they're killing their livestock. So the livestock are happy. The ranchers are happy and they don't, dingoes don't get it yet, but they're going to be happy. Anyway, so if you see one of those, uh, you, next time you're driving by someplace like a car dealership or a tire place and you see that little big guy, that, not so little, that big guy, 10 feet, whatever tall, you're going to think of this story and say, ah, I'm glad that you're out there, buddy. A baby gorilla called the Western Lowland Gorilla. It was born via C-section at the Boston's Franklin Park Zoo. Why important? Important because they are on the really, the critically, not the endangered list, the critically endangered list. So now that we have a new gorilla born, what we're hoping, what they're going to be doing is they're going to, when that uh, gorilla is old enough, it's a male, they are going to send it to some of the other zoos that have started to initiate breeding programs for these Western lowland gorillas. So, you know, I know, you know what, I have to tell you something. I, I understand animal welfare. I am not a big fan of animal rights in the sense that the absolutes, you can't like say, oh, because you're doing research on an animal. I don't care if that research is going to save thousands of animal and human lives, but I'm going to burn down your laboratory. That to me is not the answer. Now, animal welfare, oh my God, I am a huge proponent. So I was at a, one of these reserves. I was in Arizona and I went to one of these animal, it was like a rescue reserve. And when you talk to their employees and you see the passion they have for the work that they do, and they've already proven and saved dozens of species, especially of birds, they have a huge bird population that would otherwise have been endangered, right? Or obsolete. And um, so it is really important, the work that they're doing. When you have these critically endangered species on the list and there are breeding programs set up, even though, yes, they are kept, they try to keep them as natural a habitat as they're used to. Uh, they're not just in cages. And if you've gone to the, some of these places, you'll see what I mean. And the fact that there's so much good work that's coming out of them, don't be so negative about it. I mean, go check them out yourself. Talk to, I spoke to a lot of the employees there and uh, we don't want, these animals are going to be extinct. If, uh, you know, you're going to talk about an animal, they go, God, I, well, tell me, what was that animal? And it's happening. It's happening in many of our species. So 
I think to be do responsible breeding programs in responsible locales in habitats that are very much like their own, I think uh, there's a lot of good that comes out of it. So anyway, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a discussion that I've had with you before, but hopefully many of you are new and it is getting very important. So anyway, don't go away. We'll be right back after these short messages here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back. Looking for a dental treat that does more for your dog? Daily Dose is a two-in-one chew that pairs a daily dental scrub with powerful supplements to help with the biggest health concerns facing our dogs. Daily Dose was developed by vets to be simple to use and super effective. Plus, dogs love the taste. Available for joint, skin, heart health, or calming. Daily Dose, your pet's daily dose of awesome. Visit yourpetsdailydose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. That's yourpetsdailydose.com. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Are you listening to this right now with a cell phone clenched between your teeth as you frantically flip pages on your paper calendars? Or are you a new breed of groomer, bred for speed and efficiency of movement? 123 Pet Software automates your communications, doing the reminding, confirming, thanking, and marketing for you. 123 Pet centralizes your schedule, employees, clients, inventory, and more. 123 Pet is the business management software you need. Start minding your business today. Visit 123petsoftware.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. You're here, host here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. So um, if you have any questions, you can always get a hold of me. As you know, 877-385-8882. Join us here live on Zoom, Pet Life Radio, scroll on shows, Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, and there is a link left there for you. So I'm sitting in my waiting room today, and I'm talking to a woman who has this really cute doodle and seven months old, a golden doodle. And um I wasn't one of my clients. It was one of my associate's clients. And um, even older than I am, I know it's hard to believe, but it, there, there is someone out there that is. And um, I realized later that that dog was in for being neutered. And by the time I, I you know, I, I, it's not my business, I can't say anything. So I uh, 
was talking to the doctor and um, I realized it wasn't, it was a client of uh, a very, uh, a new doctor just works on Friday, Saturdays, and he's much, much younger. His dad's a vet and uh, he is out maybe two years, three years. So, you know, the, the dog, the, all, the animal was already in, the procedure was already discussed and it was done. So afterwards, I said to him, look, I said, you know, one thing, have you spoken to this owner? I mean, I said, who knows more about pets, the owners or the doctors? He goes, the doctors. So when someone comes in for something that you don't agree with or you want to provide, do you just do it because they've asked you to do it? Or should you have a discussion with them and maybe educate them about some new things? I mean, there, there are breeders out there still giving vaccines at six, eight and 10 weeks and saying we're done. All right. Just because it was done, just because it used to be okay, doesn't mean it's okay now. So um, we were talking about, I realized, I think you, the public should know more about this. And that is there are, there have been many studies done and there is a lot of new information out about when is the best time to spay a dog. Now it used to be getting before the first, yeah, females getting before their first heat. Uh, That was blanket across the board. Now with some new studies out on different types of behaviors later on in life, different cancers later on in life, like bone cancer, for example, that seems to affect large breed dogs more than small. We are now changing and statistics are, are helping us do that because we have now support for our information, our data that maybe, maybe though there is the best benefit of prevention of mammary cancer in a dog before their first heat, if you're spayed before the first heat, typically they're, they're all their teeth are in by five and a half, six months. My opinion is you do not do not want to spay a dog before that because especially the small breeds or typically the small breeds because they often have what's called retained deciduous teeth and in order to take care of that problem you have to anesthetize them to pull those baby teeth that didn't fall out on their own well wait that means i'm going to anesthetize a dog at four months to do the spay and then again at six months to do the teeth Ah, why don't we wait and do them both together at the same time so so that is, of course, I get very upset. Now, I do know in the rescue world, the shelter world, the, that they're mandated by municipalities that they have to be spayed before they can be rescued out, before they can be adopted. So now what a lot of them are doing, because they do know that it is silly to do two anesthesias when one can handle both, is they say, okay, I, we can fill out the paperwork, but it's not official until you spay neuter. And we can't do that until they're six months. So therefore, you're just fostering it for the next two months instead of adopting it as soon as we're done, and then we'll be okay. Now, some rescue groups are so busy and so inundated, they can't afford to do that. They have to, in order to get them off their books, they quote unquote, have to have them spay neutered. And then we just run the risk of having to do a second procedure. I don't love it. Now, that's a small breeds. Big breeds, we are finding out that, that uh, oh, by the way, let me add one thing. There is still advantage. It's not as good, but it's still pretty darn good, statistically, of waiting until after the first heat and spaying before the second heat, i.e. do not let them have that second heat. Typically, it's 14 months, You know, depending on the book that the dog's read. The first heat's at seven months. The second one's at 14. It gets complicated sometimes because the first heat is silent. Some dogs don't have a first heat until eight or nine months. I mean, again, you wish that everybody, all the dogs read the book. They didn't. But what I'm recommending now is to, for especially for the large breeds, since it's still beneficial, very beneficial, as far as the prevention of breast cancer, to let them have one heat, not to mention the benefits of all the other cancers that we've found, especially in certain breeds like the golden retriever, are worse if you spay them early. In other words, the estrogen influence seems to help some of the other cancers down later on in life. 
And in case of bone cancer, for the male as well, the, the sex hormones in general seem to have some sort of protective benefit on the bone. And there is, it does help prevent bone cancer later in life. Uh, in a Rottweiler study, 65% greater incidence in long bone cancer in dogs, males that were pre-puberty neutered, and a 35% increase in long bone cancer, and this is cancer later on in life, that were pre-puberty spayed. Well, you can say, well, that was just the Rottweiler. You could be saying that, and you could be stupid, because why, what, you think Rottweilers are that different? I look at if a dog is prone to bone cancer, and there are many, many, many dogs that are prone to bone cancer, then I would think it would be safe to extrapolate. There's no downside to the extrapolation, but a potential major upside. If you want to take that chance, take the chance. So as I'm looking at this doodle at seven months, I shared a story with him. One of my very good friends, neighbors, whose dog, Freddie, the greatest, most magnificent uh, labradoodle, right? A chocolate labradoodle, sweetest thing in the world. Bone cancer had to be put to sleep at four years of age. Four. And well, could I prove for sure that his early neuter was the difference? No, I can't. But with all the studies that are coming out, why even take the chance? So Dr. Jeff's recommendations for small breed dogs, you can still do early, but there are some empirical data that dogs with incontinence, females have greater incidence of incontinence if they were spayed early. So my recommendation now for almost all, if you can hang in there, spay them between 11 and 13 months of age. Okay, get them even be for 11 and 12 months of age. That would be, cover your basis on everything. Large breeds, large breeds, 100%. I do not recommend spaying or neutering before a year of age. In a male, since there's, you're not worried about mammary cancer, I'd even wait till a year and a half, even two. Females, you do not want them to have that second heat. You do want to have the advantage of prevention of breast cancer, mammary cancer which is huge, seven to 10 times more prevalent in dogs than it is in women, maybe just because of the number of mammae. But either still, you want to be very careful with that. Be better air in the side of caution. That way, you, everything gets solved. Now, the only other thing that I'll mention is the golden retriever. And the golden retriever seems to break all these rules. And there are many, seven studies coming out of UC Davis. Nothing is set in stone yet. These are preliminary, but there are those, there are some golden retriever enthusiasts when they look at all the data and all the cancers and the fact that the golden retriever is now has taken over the boxer as the number one cancer dog that they, some are saying, I'm not saying many, some are saying they would never spay or neuter a golden retriever. Yes, they can get pyometra. Yes, they can get mammary cancer, but those are fixable depending on when they're, when they're caught, if you're paying attention to your golden, but some other cancers that seem to have increased prevalence in those dogs that were spayed or neutered, period, not even early spayed, spayed or neutered period, which are deadly are greater. So I've spoken to one who was a veterinarian, a theory genologist, studies reproduction, studies aging. And she uh, also says that had I known then what I know now, I would have never spayed my golden retriever. So anyway, more work on that one. Right now, I would consider them. For me, I put them in the, in the category of just a large breed. I think more work needs to be done. I think more schools will be studying. Uh, but what was interesting, they looked at the same parameters in a Labrador retriever, and they did. It was t totally not supportive. So I'm a lab guy. I still, you know, all of my males, I wait about a year and a half to two, unless they're driving me nuts, so it's closer to two. If they're driving me nuts, behaviorally, it's closer to one and a half. 
but the females all let them have their first heat. Don't spay them until 11, 12 months of age. Anyway, that's all we have for now. I'd love to hear from you or if you're any of you working with vets or veterinarians out there that want to reach me, please, you can always reach me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. Make sure if you are not using telemedicine, download AirVet, my telemedicine app. Check with your hospitals. If they're not on a platform right now, let them give me a holler at, or reach me at drjeff at petliferadio.com. Clients that I've been using this from other hospitals, these are hospitals over the country, absolutely love it. So there's no reason why every hospital should have a, does not be mine, does not be AirVet, but some telemedicine platform, because especially now with COVID, it changes the climate of how you do curbside. You're either going to sit in a car, twiddle your thumbs while they're inside with your pet, and you're wondering what the heck is going on. And then it's back and forth with a technician with all your questions, right? Or you're on a telemedicine platform where you're literally in the exam room with your pet, with the doctor, speaking to him or her as they are doing the exam. You are asking questions. You're getting answers all real time, but you're still in your car. It's just that you're on your phone, video, live video chat. So um, think about it. Oh, and also everything gets put into the medical record. Uh, so it's, it's official. It's not like using FaceTime, which there's no record of FaceTime. You hang up from FaceTime call, you're gone. With telemedicine, with AirVet, for example, every single text, every single call is recorded and saved. So you can always revert back to the conversation. That is the wave of the future. I even think that after COVID, there are many of you, depending on the, the nature of the condition, are going to prefer to just get on the phone, talk to your vet that way, instead of running in, waiting, parking lot, travel, traffic, you know, when you didn't even have to go in in the first place. So that's all we have time for. Uh, we will be here next week, same bad time, same bad channel. Next Saturday is Halloween. Be safe. And we'll talk about any horror stories you can share with me the next day. But um, I hope I gave you enough information to keep it safe for you, your pets, and your kids on Halloween. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.